takes a critical look at all things reality television. Um, today, I am experiencing COVID-like symptoms, <laughs> um, but they didn't have any COVID tests available until Friday. So I unfortunately will just have to wait. Just going to have to wait. Just going to have to wait and see, huh? I mean, that's that's the, the modern day thrill, waiting to see if you have COVID or not. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> exactly. I did... Um, I was just in New York, actually, and um, well, I was in Milan before New York, and the girl who went to Milan with had like a cold, not COVID, not COVID, guys, but she had a cold, so I thought I was going to catch something, so I came back to New York, and I was feeling fine, but then I went to my friend's house, and my boyfriend came over later in the night and brought like whippets so we were all doing whippets and I woke up the next morning with like the biggest sore throat and I was like must be the whippets but then I texted her because she was like the last person I saw in New York and I was like hey just so you know like I think I have the flu it's not COVID I've taken rapid tests like I don't think it's COVID and she was like I'm so happy you just texted me because I have the flu and it's COVID and I was like okay (laughs) Have you been catching up on any TV in your sickness? Yes. In my sickness, I have been. Oh, I was going to say something about the language and the metaverse and Omicron. And then we also have Kim Kardashian, possible cyborg, passing the baby bar. True. I feel like it. I feel like I want to think about it as part of the brand shift that's been going on. Um, You know, this is like a, this is a symbolic carryover to like the last seasons of keeping up because she was trying to pass in those seasons and we saw her struggle with it. And now she's passed it, but it, you know, it also comes along the same timeline of her being with Pete Davidson, Astro World stuff, her kit, her SNL skit, just like the shift in the Kardashians usually comes along with a fashion shift. When they shift a brand, usually it starts with a fashion shift and she's been doing those head to toe, you know, gloved through her finger Balenciaga looks. So I just feel like, and then they announced at the people's choice awards that 2022, their seasons come, their new seasons coming out on Hulu. So, you know, we've been, we're being, we're being prepared for some, we're being lubed up. (laughs) That's for sure. And you're right that the fashion kind of, um, the fashion always comes before right. the new announcement. Like that's kind of how you know. Mm-hmm. It's the precursor. It's the perpetual precursor. Right. And yeah, she's definitely been looking. Definitely the style has changed post Kanye. And the style changed with Kanye. And that was a whole development. Yeah. Well, this style is interesting in terms of post Kanye because 
it feels very much like something Kanye would be moving towards this kind of Mm -hmm. like high, some sort of like feels like high fashion Balenciaga, like it's like like, conceptual fashion, right? Like couture, you know, Phoebe and I have talked a lot about the kind of skims as this kind of visual representation of like infinity and it's like endless beigeness. Um, but I think that this kind of fashion move, like, I think we both said this, like, it's more like a, it's more like a void instead of like an, a rep- repetitive form. It's kind of like a black hole. Yeah. Which is, you know, which is, we can also relate that to the emergence of the metaverse. Right. Because right. not only as we've discussed endlessly, black holes and outer space is like an you know it's kind of like it is an endless void and it's ever growing and it it kind of like outer space is this like fully realized or never fully realized you know understanding of infinity and I think that the internet is also like that like the internet it's always growing you Mm -hmm. know like it's not like there's a limit to the internet you know um And I think that the metaverse, it's kind of playing with that. Like it's playing with the relationship between the internet and an outer space, right? And then Kim Kardashian keeps dressing like a freaking, um, uh, oh my God, who's the director who did Stalker? The Tarkovsky. She keeps dressing like she's in like a Tarkovsky outer space movie and like that he has a famous outer space movie but I'm sick. So I can't remember the name of it. Right. Um, Well, the other thing that I think is interesting with the metaverse space conversation is I was just thinking about and doing some writing about this kind of like resting space of, um, and I was thinking about Apple screensavers as like, so like early screensavers, you know, were like those flurries that like kind of were just like, their own kind of self-contained almost like aesthetic object but now on apple tv screensavers it's like really vast um aerial shots of like cities and it's very slow panning and the kind of vantage point you're getting as a viewer is like a of like a traveler or something like you're on an airplane but i think that there's something interesting in there that like the screensaver is now also this like moment of entertainment like like of being transported somewhere like in this Mm. like dormant even though it's dormant like we're still being entertained but I also it made me think about this kind of like main character syndrome like they're like and like you know like NPCs like the video game players and like this kind of like metaverse thing of like we're looking at a future maybe or like even like VR headsets where you're like an a little avatar of yourself like going through the world or something and I feel like Kim's outfits also could be like almost looked at as like a sim sort of character like just kind of this like digitally like a generated body or something because of the like solid colors skims sims skims you know <laughs> skims too <laughs> <laughs> the video game and she has that video game right where people like 
and she was kind of pioneer that's like a very that was the extremely successful thing that she was doing yeah no that's such a good point about how I feel like it's almost like an anxiety right where it's like instead of just like sitting still and having your computer go blank you're like well I could be here like why am I doing nothing when there's all this world to explore Right. right and those shots are obviously like drones like they're drone footage right um or even like satellite footage you know which I think also plays into that idea of like the interstitial space between like heaven and earth you know between heaven and earth yeah I feel like I've been seeing like these reality tv trends or like I feel like the form of reality tv is like is like becoming really like it's like infecting a lot of things lately and I just might be tuned into it but even the Apple screensaver thing, like, you know, that's what we get in the, in, in the transition shots in Real Housewives is you get like these, mm. you know, these like wide shots of the city at night or, you know, you get these, which kind of locate you in the place. But I feel like there's some like, and I feel like that anxiety of like being somewhere, but not there is very much how it can feel to watch reality TV. No, that's such a good point that it's like the the those screensavers are the same as the like B footage in so right. many reality television shows. Um, I just want to. I have just something's on my mind about the baby bar, which yeah, yeah, is no, that right. I keep thinking about the relationship between reality television and like Greek tragedy, where the like death always occurs off stage right Mm -hmm. it's like um and I'm no I'm not a scholar I don't know like the exact reason why but it's just I've always Mm -hmm. thought of it as like even an Oedipus or Antigone or whatever like you don't people don't die on stage and I don't know why but I always think about that because I feel like not like the the whole like notion of on stage and off stage in reality television is like when you're shooting and when you're not shooting uh-huh. um like like the stage is the footage like the stage is the camera lens right mm-hmm. and I think that like these big important life changes happen when they're not filming right. and I just keep thinking about that like Kim passed the baby bar like she failed it twice on camera but then she passed it off camera Mm. Or even we were talking about how like even death is kind of sacred on reality TV. Like they don't show it. Like that's actually a place where they won't go. They'll have like a credits about it or they'll like after the season's done filming, they'll like maybe address it in the reunion. But they never address it when it's like actually happening. Yeah. Um, And in that way, I think that reality television you know it's following a very like specific like even like aristotelian narrative form um and i and not and that's not to say it's smarter it's better than something else but it's 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 like ancient and it's rigid and like something like kim passing the baby bar and then having them like very specifically control that narrative mm-hmm. of she finally passed and then being like also our show is airing right and to have like a new season a new network and like a we were talking about the rebirth and the peacock mm-hmm. but even like with hulu right hulu is now sponsored by disney which has always been the 
the magic epicenter you know it's like something new so they need to have the offstage change in order to like spark a type of like manufactured beginning should I tell my story yes yes yeah and then we can continue to more important things um so I was in New York for Hanukkah and my dad's girlfriend gifted me the gift of um two tickets to Luann's cabaret show at 54 and below right in Hell's Kitchen so me and my boyfriend went and we were seated at the uh at the table of this guy David something who's like the head of the fortune society which is like that organization that Luann works with Mm -hmm. that like helps previously incarcerated individuals like get jobs and figure their life out post incarceration and there was also that woman who's like kind of who who's part of the fortune society but like you know the woman who's like at the lunches sometimes is like the representative Vilma <laughs> she was there I had we shared french fries stop I would I want to go to a housewife event for that I want to see the random people that like are <laughs> Like the regular people who are in the show sometimes. Right. And it was like Vilma, who's lovely. And then this like 89 year old Jew who was like, are you a Jew or are you a shiksa? Because you look like a Jew, but you also look like a shiksa. And I was like, no, I'm a Jew. And he's like, are you German? And I was like, well, partly my last name is Kaufman. Um, And he was like, I knew it. (laughs) So we started exchanging Jew jokes. Um, in a classic Jewish way where he would be like you know the one about Benny and his mother on the beach and I'd be like you know so that's like the first line that I would respond with the punchline, which is he was wearing a hat and then we'd have to both explain it then he would tell the joke to Chris who as a non-Jew uh, doesn't understand anyway so we went back and forth for a very long time um oh and when we were walking into the show I gave my name. I said Kaufman, Phoebe for two. And all of a sudden, this like bumbling hurricane of a woman starts butting next to me. There's no line. It's very chill. We're over an hour early. And she's like, to Sarah, Ramona Sayer for two. What's going on? And I was like, oh my God. And because this happens a lot with like famous people. Or, not, or whatever, like, I see them, and because I, like, watch them so much, I think that I know them, so I, like, put my hand on her, and I was like, oh, my God, hey, Ramona, and she's like, hello, no, Chris, like, we're big fans, and she's like, thank you, okay, okay, bye, <laughs> oh. anyway, so that was my, she was wearing, like, a literal inch of makeup, and she looked gonzo, dude, like, it was insane, I, she looks, I, in, she looks, I'm psychotic. so jealous of you seeing Ramona in the flesh, well, and then some friends with this older Jewish man um, who can't hear anything. And then Luann comes on stage. It's probably the worst show I've ever seen in my entire life. But it's like amazing. You know, she can't sing. Can't, that so, bitch cannot sing. She cannot sing. And she's so toned off. And she like, she's so awkward on stage. Huh. You would think that at least she could move, but she was like, jerky and like so awkward and like all I mean she has an incredible body though those fucking legs Oof. oh my god she had, it was like a 45 minute show she had three full outfit changes Giovanni 
Giovanni. <laughs> it's all Giovanni. And everyone's like, Giovanni. And like people are like hooting and hollering. And there's like a question and answer. And there are people who are like, we're from Texas. We just landed. And she's like, send my greetings to Dallas. And you're like, okay. And then so afterwards, this man who I met, David, was like, you want to meet Luann? Follow me. So we went up the backstage elevator and he was like, they're with me. <laughs> and then we go upstairs to like the backstage dressing room, whatever. And there she is with her fose. And it was, I don't know, Vilma gives her a big hug. Luann goes, I know who you are, but I've forgotten your name. And she's like, Vilma, my name is Vilma. And then they're like, you want a photo? And I'm like, okay, I guess so. So Chris and I took a photo with her. And uh, I didn't know this, but apparently the whole time she was like feeling up Chris's butt. <laughs> Which Chris told me afterwards because then afterwards uh, I turned to her uh, and I was like, Countess Luann, like, I'm your biggest fan. I have a podcast called Money Can't Buy You Class. And she was like, I'll definitely make a cameo. And apparently the whole time she was like sensually rubbing Chris. And I was like, Chris, you should have like done something about that. My jaw is on the floor. I know, I know. It was crazy. And then we left and like Chris helped this like poor 89-year-old fragile man into a taxi. It took like 10 minutes <laughs> to like get him into a car. Chris is like fully like, okay. You, you, go, you go to a show and you immediately zero in on the 90-year-old man. <laughs> we were at his table. I love we were it. We were at his table. I know, but it was really it was but it's really the way to go in in those kinds of situations. I love that. I'm I am incredibly jealous of that experience well there you have it our night with the countess and then it was all over by like 8 p.m so Ramona was was Sonia there no Sonia was not there it was only Ramona sitting at a table full of what seemed like hairless gay men in their 30s that checks out I know and people there were like fans though that sounds so fun. I met Luann at Freeze. Yeah. A couple years ago. And she was very reluctant. I like basically like st- stared at her for a long time while she ate sushi and contemplated if I could if I could give up, work up the courage to take a photo with her. And then Gracie, friend of the pod, marched me over and we got a picture in the photo of me. I look absolutely insane. I'll post it on <laughs> I'll post it on our thing, but we should um, post both our pictures. Side yeah, by side. we should. I, I mean, like, yeah, it was. I mean, I think Phoebe and I are actually making similar sort of faces, like <laughs> bewildered. <laughs> well, she's like so tall. Yeah. So it's hard to get a picture where she looks good and you look good. Well, I'm tall. I was. I'm almost the same. Oh, she was wearing her like Giovanni stiletto. So it was like, yeah, literally, so she's, she's really over dope. a foot taller than I am in this yeah. thing. <laughs> you just like, like hugging Luann's. Exactly. <laughs> like talking to her nipples as if they're like sentient objects. Well, should we switch gears from Phoebe's night out to Salt Lake City? Yes. So the last time we talked about Salt Lake City was with dear friend of the pod, Kaysen, and we kind of in a frenzy, tried to sort of unpack the really intense, the kind of big episode that everyone was anticipating, which was the episode in which Jen is arrested. And now we have 
reached two episodes past that. And so the first episode post-arrest was kind of like the women in veil still kind of reeling and very quickly the plot turned to center on Mary, who is, has been accused by people of like running a cult with her church and like taking people's money, you know, like getting people to give her money because of like something about God and then she takes it. And then, um, and that episode was very conflict heavy. And Lisa has done a classic housewife move where she has planted seeds, but won't actually say anything because she knows that a big blabbermouth who's less smart than her, like Whitney, will take up the charge to bring it up. And then Whitney will get eviscerated. And Lisa gets to be friends with everyone the whole time, except make one iconic enemy. And so basically that's what's happening now. And that's like been playing out. Yeah, no, it was um, Salt Lake City. It's a it's it's a very fascinating show. And I wrote I had like one note about it. And I was like, I think that the word faith is used in the same like sliding way that reality is used. Mm -hmm. And I think that in a way you could argue that faith and reality are almost interchangeable on the show in the way that like you know, Denise Richards' famous line of bravo, bravo, bravo to try to get them to stop shooting. Yeah. Which is calling in the reality television aspect of reality television or the television aspect of reality yeah. television. But it's actually a moment of, of reality yeah. because she's she's like, bravo, 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 get me out of it. Um, Mary, sorry, Mary has this great line where she's like, I forgot what she says exactly, but she's like in that fight in the living room and she was like, why would you question my faith? Like my faith is my faith and like my God is my God and this and like it's what I believe in or something. Or like I think that what I was, I don't know, I think that faith is like this almost untouchable signifier uh -huh. because it means very important things to each of those women individually. Mm -hmm. And I think that also, like, with um, Heather and Whitney, who have both been kicked out of the Mormon church, right, I think that a lot of their ethics or a lot of the way that they navigate conflict is obviously completely informed by not repeating the same dynamics they experienced yeah. in their faith. And you see that a lot. Like, even Whitney, when she's just talking about, like, conflict with uh, ha uh with um lisa and mary she's like i left the mormon church and it wasn't to blindly follow a new leader yeah but she doesn't mean that religiously she just means that socially yeah like i i think that generally on cable television like kind of slanderous slandering jesus and christianity like is a pretty big no-no like it's pretty like there's a lot of shows that are like essentially like religious programming. Like there's like it's a, it's really easy to read pretty like basic Christian faith, I think, into like a lot of TV programs. Like I think TLC is tons of like Christian stuff, you know. And so I think that like, you know, somebody proclaiming like this is my faith, like it feels like somehow more personal and like you can't go after it. Um, but I mean, Mary so clearly does not, Mary so clearly sees her faith as 
in part like her money and her power because like even her tagline is if you come for me i will send jesus after you which is the most unchristian thing in the world it's insane so it's like it's i mean i think it's really kind of uncanny to watch mary it always has been like she's a really disturbing person to watch on tv she seems like extremely out of it her house is like absolutely bonkers crazy but like I think it's in part like this faith discussion. Like it's kind of, it's like, she seems confused about, not confused about it, but she's tr- she's deliberately trying to confuse the idea of like what faith is. And I think what she probably does with her congregation is she confuses like faith and like commitment to like bowing down and deferring to her and doing whatever she tells them to do. Because I, I do, I do believe that she probably is you know running a culty operation yeah i mean mormonism is also kind of a culty operation totally so i know it's just like a complicated it's a complicated thing um i'm right and mormonism is like structured around these like ideas of like perfection and i think that like it's it's all kind of a waste of money it's a waste of a life in many ways and Mary's thing is that people are giving her money because she, what does she say? She's like, I'm not God, but I honor the God within me. Mm-hmm. Right. And so people kind of give her money so she can nurture, I guess, the God within her. She's right. the voice of God. Um, right. And I guess if that means like getting her skin lightened or getting her like sweat glands or whatever taken out of her or whatever odor glands odor glands so psychotic oh my god but then she also had that like extremely racist mexican oh my god and then a subsequent graphic design moment (laughs) (laughs) just like bought like honestly the graphic design was more offensive than the original okay so like explain the whole wait i'm gonna i'm gonna refill but talk explain the thing well there's not much to explain she's you know i forget who she's describing but she's uh i think she's talking about jen she's like i'm not like jen jen's just like a mexican like a mexican drug thug and lisa barlow is just like uh like does not know how to respond um she's like like one of those mexicans who make drugs no, it's just, like, so bad. And then she, like, I guess after this episode aired, she, like, um, she had this, I don't even know how you would describe it. It's, like, imagine that you're in, like, fourth grade in, like, 2006 or seven, and Francine, the computer teacher, has just showed you how to use, like, Microsoft Word art right and she's like write something and for an hour you play around with making word art that's the vibe yeah it it, i mean it was shocking (laughs) no it's like i didn't even know that those fonts still existed i thought that they died with like yeah the 20 pound desktop mac and the bear and the borders it had like big like border energy like little like vine in the corner 
I know. And it was uh, the apology was like, like every important word was like in a different font than like the other words. So it's like, I would like to apologize in like crazy font for calling Jen a Mexican, Mexican in like crazy <laughs> font. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> so weird. I mean, Mary. Okay, so if we think about Erica, Jen, and Mary as the kind of crime lords of like this era of the housewives, like people are already doing a lot of comparisons with Jen and Erica saying that like Jen's a much better actor. Like um, Mm -hmm. people feel more sympathy for Jen or they're like a little happier that Jen like is actually telling us what's like is actually giving us a view in but the interesting thing is is that erica's not been indicted for any crime jen has been literally indicted people are like people are like well fuck erica and it's like it's just you know i don't you know whatever that is but then you have mary and it's it is kind of like this kind of holy trinity of like the different kinds of housewives i act like like erica is like kind of cold withholding very rich really fun but very controlled jen is like out of control looks insane acts insane and like just kind of is like what's happening and mary is the kind of housewife that's like just not checked in like on pills not eating really crazy and it's it's my least favorite kind of housewife it's the darkest well then you also have your Teresa, right who I so I actually started watching season one of Jersey. Yeah, I need to watch it. Oh, it's so good. It's classic housewives, but Teresa is just like Teresa is a lot like um oh my god, who am I like who's like the stage wife or not stage wife, the like uh the kid kid actor housewife and another whatever. She is she is these she's like kids and she like wants them to be models in new york city and she's like yeah yeah she's like very sweet she's like very cute she's like hey, hey, like hello i'm teresa like i like paying in cash and like buying my kids little cute dresses she's very sweet and doesn't yeah. seem wacky at all besides like the wacky yeah. part of being a housewife but yeah. then all of a sudden in the finale she flips <laughs> and you're like because she flips the table yeah she like you see something in her eyes she she leaves her body no but the other thing about that season do you know the backstory explain it oh with danielle yeah uh, it's insane because like we know Teresa is the crazy one who flips the table and gets arrested but danielle on season one who Teresa is calling a prostitution whore. She's just like this whack, like kind of a Mary type, just like very weird, wacky woman. But then you realize that there is this book published about her. Her real name's not actually Danielle. (laughs) She has been like, she was like arrested, I think in Italy or something. (laughs) when She was like, in her late teens early 20s for like kidnapping and like holding children at ransom and like being involved in like the colombian drug cartels oh my god and she's like like in th- this is that's just like her life like she was arrested too and then she like changed her name and got all this like reconstructive surgery right but so she's the real crazy one so she's like literally like, like in a witness protection program <laughs> 
<laughs> exactly. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, Thank if you know. I was talking to somebody, if I was Teresa and I was talking to somebody who like wouldn't admit that like there was a book written about them that literally exposes who they are, I, I too would flip a table. <laughs> no, but here's the thing. The uh, the Manzo sisters. Oh my God. It's oh my God, so they're good. Amazing. Caroline, Caroline and Dina. Caroline you know and Dina. Do you know that their dad was... Do you know that their dad was found dead like in a trunk like killed mafia style well they're very mafia well New their Jersey dad was like mafia i mean their dad yeah. was, but the manzos have the closest connection to mafia family well the manzos are wild yeah. oh my god you, you gotta oh my god alfie like they're just okay i'm gonna start so, it i'm gonna do it it's very sopranos it's very um like good fellas it's very godfather but it's like the woman's side, you know, like you always want, like, yeah. what are the women doing? What was the wife doing? And this is what they're doing. Yeah. It's so amazing. And they're always drinking red wine and eating the pasta and the bread and Jersey and getting into. So I'm just going to use this moment because it's a nice transition. So the Sopranos was like HBO's first, one of HBO's first, like, you know, big major show. Based on my grandmother. Your grandmother? Your whole grandmother? My grandmother. What? She was the therapist. That's the therapist is based on her because the, yeah, yeah, because the producer, the director, the writer, whatever, she was the therapist. Right. She was his therapist. Oh my God, I didn't know that. That's There's cool. a lot. My family's like kind of like, or grandparents were like, they were Hollywood. They're Hollywood. And they're like 19, they're like post-war Hollywood. Yeah. And I told you, I told you the funniest thing, which is that a cur- one of the Curb Your Enthusiasm episodes is yeah. based on <laughs> my grandfather. But anyway, that's another story. But anyway. And, you know, Real Housewives of New York Jersey was definitely nodding towards that and was and was definitely piggybacking off of the success of that or, or, or you know, understanding that there was a desire for that. Um, and similarly, Sex in the City, um, was very much was another HBO first you know one of the early like it was came out in 1998 like Sex in the City it's not that hard to graft it onto like early versions of Real Housewives of New York City or even Real Housewives of Beverly Hills where it's kind of like ladies lunching shopping talking about sex talking about relationships working out their own relationships and I think New York was definitely, I think I remember I was listening to Brian Molin, Moylan's book. Um, I forget what it's called, but I was, it was like a, a real housewives history. And he talks about how New York's, you know, it was first called like Manhattan moms. And it was, and it was kind of proposed as a kind of like sex in the city or it went through a couple iterations before it landed on housewives, but it went through, it was kind of going to be like a sex in the city type story. Um, or kind of narrative. And so now we have the reboot of Sex and the City. And I'm just kind of curious at like how we could think about like how the time that's passed in between the end of Sex and the City proper, like the end of the series, because there was two movies prior to the series ending, like how that time in between, how the reality genre has kind of like taken up taken those kind of pointers and how the reboot reflects that because you know like I feel like the reboot's doing a lot of nod 
to reality. Like it's like, there's a lot of, they're talking about COVID. They're talking about like race. They're doing the, like, I read how to be an, Miranda's reading how to be an anti-racist big is on the Peloton. And I, and I, you know, it, it feels like for me, I'm, I'm just like, I keep thinking about this, like kind of like sex in the city universe, right? Like where like in like 1998, like the show was just supposed to take place in like that time of New York, but there was not so many signifiers for how real, or it wasn't trying to relate to the viewer and like, see, it's the same as your life. And, and, and now it seems really devoted to that. And I feel like in general scripted shows are turning reality are like using reality kind of structures a lot like white Lotus. I think Phoebe, you talked about that in one of your columns, like white Lotus is like a majorly Naomi Fry wrote about it. Like it's the most reality TV, like scripted show she's seen in a long time. It's creator was on survivor. You know, I would say succession, which everybody's like obsessed with right now to me feels very akin to reality TV, just in the way it's consumed. There's like me after an episode airs, there's memes about it. There's stills there's. So I I'm just kind of curious about how this, like, especially sex in the city, because there's, there is actual, there is actually direct links to sex in the city and real houses of New York. And one of those I'll just say is that Dorinda is supposedly based on a character based on Susan Sharon in sex in the city who comes up in the regular kind of season of it but then comes up in the reboot as this woman who's like this very blonde woman who's kind of like speaking nonsense, kind of yelling at Carrie at Big's funeral. And I saw some people posting like, oh, now I totally believe that Susan Sharon is based on Dorinda. So I'm just kind of curious about those overlaps. And you also had the other woman at the funeral who was like, my husband, Bobby, my mm-hmm. husband, Bobby died, which obviously is like Bobby Zarin with Jill yeah. Zarin. Yeah. Which I was like, whoa, that's like fully a nod yeah. towards New York City. Whereas like the older Jewish woman who's like still obsessed with the dead husband who died a few years ago. Right. You know, if only Bobby were here to see this. I mean, I don't know. Like I never, um, like I feel like I want you to answer this question or like think about it more because I never watched Sex in the City. Um, I don't know why. I just like I never could get into it. Like again, like I really liked watching like Skins. Mm-hmm. That's what I liked, but never Sex in the City. But I did watch the reboot in my sickness. Um, and you're right. Like I get a lot of Sarah Jessica Parker from Carrie Bradshaw. Mm-hmm. You know, or I get a lot of like this is just like a very like bourgeois or upper middle class or whatever like existence that they're all living you know and like Cynthia Nixon's carrot like uh, Miranda's taking the subway and like you know she's she's being like the older white lady in the class who says something at the master you know what I mean it's like it's very um I guess relatable in the same way that uh Real Housewives you see the moms doing these things that are instantly recognizable as what like women of a certain age do Mm -hmm. you know and even the way that like I I don't know it's just like it's very keen I guess like it's very keen to actually who women in their 50s and 60s in New York City who spent their 20s 30s 40s in New York like it's very keen to who those women are Mm mm-hmm I think right? it's a very accurate portrait in a lot of ways. 
Yeah. No, and it's like, I mean, it is a web of references, right? And I think that reality TV is like some of the most successful franchises are reality TV. So I think that people who do scripted shows, I think a lot of that, I mean, I don't know. I don't watch a lot of scripted television. I like, I can't really stand it. But um, I think that, you know, what what works, right? It's, it's the real closeness works right and the fantasy of reality the fantasy of reality works right right and i think that sex in the city it was such a successful show and like had such a fan following similar to like real housewives fans that they are able to sustain the show by you know like we say like talking about itself like they're able to continue the references about the show that everyone's used to, that everyone's like grown up with, they're able to use that to kind of further the show's relevance because they can always graft those kinds of relationships or those, the certain kind of dynamics onto the current moment. Um, And like, I think that like the kind of Sex and the City like universe, you know, I think that Real Housewives is like making a, a shift towards like a broader media universe. I mean, I think it's always been a big thing. There's always been like tons of podcasts about it and all that stuff. But like in terms of like the women on them, like Salt Lake is the first new city we've had in a really long time, like that's successful. Like Miami and Dallas didn't really take off. And like Salt Lake- Miami's coming back. Miami's coming back on Peacock. And Salt Lake- Dallas got canceled and like Salt Lake was the first one that's like carried and like has been able to stand its own against the other ones and like Mm -hmm. Potomac but you know I feel like with that there's this like there's this new influx of like energy or something where like and even like you know Kyle Richards was in Halloween Kills and then because she was in Halloween as a child and then she's in Halloween Kills and then she just signed on to do the next Halloween movie and she's in this new movie called Real Housewives of the North Pole. And mm-hmm. there's cameos from Karen from Potomac and Lisa Barlow from Salt Lake on Real Housewives of the North Pole. And it's called Real Housewives of the North Pole, but that's a fantasy. Like that's a like the name is something that we are used to, but it's not a real place or a real a real franchise so I'm just I'm very curious about this kind of like move towards this like narrative scripted thing because I also like I said I feel like there's a symbiosis happening with like scripted shows using a lot of more like reality tactics no I think that that's I think that's a really good point I mean I just keep thinking that it's about reference yeah and it's about like cultural relevance and like the the age group because you were saying like people who grew up watching sex in the city are now going to return you know like 10 20 years later to the reboot and they're going to be at a different stage in their lives and also be able to grow with the show right you know it's like it's like growing with these shows and I think we've talked about that with the real housewives too right and I just want to say another thing about like the time and the growing and stuff is like the thing that's weird about sex in the city is that like it was their lives changed in the seasons, but you know, like, like things happened and they had an arc, especially like in the later seasons, like they really, and like in the movies, they really like grew their narratives and stuff, but like 
between then and now, it's like their lives have been unfolding just like off camera or something. But it's harder to sew that thread because like Real Housewives, you get the whole time, the whole time, you know, you get them every year for 10 years. And there's something about Sex in the City that's like, I feel like, I feel like them picking up where they left off. I feel like there was definitely some choice that by the writers to, you know, be like, okay, how are we going to, that they've been hanging out? Like, have they seen each other? Have they been apart? Well, we've been apart from them. Like, is this a bit of a reunion? And it's hard to, t- and I, I noticed some people being kind of like angry at some like plot holes of like, somebody's like oh I haven't seen you in a while and he's like they don't all hang out so it's this funny like imagination of like that these people are actually real hanging out together but then there's this other aspect of it that's kind of interesting which is like Kim Cattrall who plays Samantha like isn't in the reboot and her and Sarah Jessica Parker have like serious beef in real life and they like can't work together anymore and so that's why she's not on it wait what is that why yeah yeah, she she opted out for a third movie and she opted out for the reboot because she hates Sarah Jessica Parker. And like they have Why? like a really I think everybody on the show has a hard relationship with Sarah SJP. I think she's a diva. Um, but like Kim Cattrall is not on it, and they're being like, and I read this uh New York Times thing that was like this woman being like, is it a nod to reality? Because Samantha like has been doing like stage shows in London and they say she moved to London. And there's kind of this like, and it's like the the beef between her and Carrie is like a little bit nodded to in the way that she talks about like their text exchanges or like that it was professional, you know, that like she didn't want her to be her publicist anymore. So I'm just, I'm just curious about that. And I think that the show is one that like, you do feel, I mean, it's so iconic and all those actresses did so well in it that it's hard to see them not as, it's hard to see SJP not as Carrie Bradshaw. And I think Carrie Bradshaw, is has a lot of SJP in her, you know? So it's hard to like see them as like characters or people. And I think like, I just feel like people watch Sex in the City like a reality TV show where they're like, oh, these are just people's lives that I'm following. Yeah, no, I mean, that's so fascinating, right? Yeah. That's like crazy because it, I mean, yeah, like of course that they're, they're like weird dynamics between all of them because like Carrie Bradshaw has always been like the star. Yeah. And Sarah Jessica Parker's always been the star, right? right? So it's definitely a nod to their, to the, to the reality of it. And then like, in terms of like crossovers, you know, so like, this isn't a spoiler because if you haven't watched it, you are doing something wrong. So Big dies after like riding on his Peloton and Peloton's pissed at HBO because they're like, it's like really bad PR but then like the another narrative has emerged within a Peloton ad that features big and big in the Peloton. And it's like, and just like that, he's alive. <laughs> and, like, and it's confusing. Cause you're like, is this part of the show? Is this like, and it's not part of the show obviously, but it, it I don't know the like continuing narrative and like all these alternate universes, like, okay, there's sex in the city universe. There's Peloton universe. There's like all sorts of universes. Yeah, no, that was like, that's a hilarious ad in like, even like the formal universe of the, of the show. The big thing on Salt Lake city is that not only do they eat fast food, 
but it's also not blurred out like it's ad placement and they also are constantly advertising their own stuff um and i think that that's like i don't know it's like Mm -hmm. it's it there's a lot of similarities between those two instances where it's just like it's part of like this broader inside joke conversation where they're like well like mr big is not only a character in sex in the city but like like the character of him as a character in the Pelotin ad, Peloton ad. Yes, I don't know. I obviously don't exercise. Um, yeah, <laughs> Peloton ad, right? Where it's just like it's like this big wink. You know what I mean? It's like the character didn't right. die, or the character died, but actually the character didn't even die because the character is still doing ads and like the actor didn't die because the actor's still alive and like it and they're all I feel like these it's everyone's revolving around each other Mm -hmm. you know and like obviously it's like very like eyes wide shut all the rich all the rich are involved in the satanic sex ritual but like that's not what I'm saying and I don't think that that's what that's like that could be true, but that's not really our point now. I no. think that you were even comparing it to the Marvel universe earlier, where it's like this alternate reality of characters and caricatures mm-hmm. from kind of cross genre who are all interacting within this like fantasy sphere, yeah. within this like metaverse, you know? Yeah. As like totems of themselves and others. Right. And it's right. Exactly. And it's, um, it's, it feels a little, it feels like boundaries are being crossed a little bit, you know, like yeah. it feels, um, it feels strange, but it also feels like what's just going to be from now on. Well, I'm also thinking about TV as like an event, like in the Baudrillardian sense, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And, and I feel like, um, you know, COVID changed a lot about television, or at least it sped up a lot what was going on. And like, people are not watching live TV. Mm-hmm. People aren't waiting to watch their show once a week. No. So I think that the show needs to be part of something bigger than what it is, because it's not about the reality of waiting week by week. Yeah. Or it is, but it's not about the reality of the advertisements. Like The advertisements need to be in the show. Yeah, or it's like you. I guess you. I don't know. There's. I think that there. I'm just thinking of what happens in the streaming universe and how like shows don't even go. Like you have The Bachelor, but like no one's watching The Bachelor anymore because it seems so freaking antiquated. Yeah, it's so bad. You know, and like I guess Real Housewives is on live TV, but they're also all moving to Peacock. Yeah, which is not, and even the Kardashians are going to be on Hulu. Right. And I think that, like, through that shift, there's, I don't know, there's, like, there's almost a shift to, I don't know, just something that has a lot more to do with the internet. I it agree. has a lot, you know? I agree. And I think the shows that are week by week are venerated as, like, very appointment, high-class television on HBO. You know, like, Succession comes out on Sundays, like, curb so comes out on Sundays there's something like intellectual about the shows that come out week by week yeah yeah and right also it's shows also just funny shows have been doing something recently where like they'll release three episodes at a time or like four right. so there's a binge ability but you're not 
it's not like you're watching some trashy Netflix show. I just think that's kind of fascinating the way that like HBO is trying to like stay relevant, but like stay classy. There's also so much media attention around like succession. So much. And like well, memes, it's cr- people are obsessed. And I'll be honest, I like it, but like I've never I don't seen it. Quite you should watch it. I don't quite uh understand everything that's going on. Um well, feel better, Phoebe. Thank you. Thanks for listening, everybody. We're gonna do some fun episodes with some guests soon and we're i think we're gonna guest on another pod which is a first um, i know keep up we're gonna start you know playing around with our instagram you know just keep an eye on us keep listening i love watching you guys' listens tick up on the anchor app i love you thanks for Talk listening Elegance is love.
your class.